Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Coming out of communion this morning, and in light of approaching Easter, I want to turn our attention back to Isaiah 53 and 5, and I'm going to take us through those passages this morning. Today is Palm Sunday, and uh, we are celebrating Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That's what Palm Sunday represents, where He would go and pay the penalty for our sins and pay the penalty that we owed for the debt of our sins. Over the last few weeks, this concept has kind of permeated our discussion. It's been mentioned throughout messages, throughout worship time, throughout our prayer time, and it's just been kind of one of those staples along the way in this season, and that is this, that we're not trying to find a place of victory. We are starting from a place of victory. I want you to get that in your spirit this morning. That we're not, I know that some of us are looking for some victory in areas of our life. But I think that we have to shift our thinking to to this. That we're not necessarily having to look for that, discover that, find that, go get that and bring it to us. We are starting from that place. Jesus secured victory for us 2,000 years ago. And what we have to discover is how to manifest that into our reality. We don't have to find victory because victory found us at Calvary. I said, we don't have to find victory because victory came and found us. I was lost, but now I'm found. Amen. Amen. Jesus came and found me. His triumphal entry into Jerusalem for Passover was also our triumphal entry into a life of freedom from sin and from shame. Romans 8.20, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility. In other words, it was anchored in failure. It was anchored in loss and negativity. It was anchored in uh, striving and failing and, and all of these things, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Even though we started out that way, God had a plan. Even though we started on the wrong foot, even though my life began as a mess, Jesus had a plan and we were subjected in that reality but subjected in hope. Because it says in verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. God had a plan to bring us out of bondage into freedom. And He's done that for us. If you know Jesus this morning, you have found that hope. The hope that was promised is hope that's been delivered. No longer are we subjected to a life of futility, but we have been liberated from bondage. Next week we celebrate Easter. And what a day it is for the church as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus completed the work of Calvary. He broke, when he stepped across the the entrance of the grave, he broke the power of sin by breaking the hold of death. 
Luke 24, 1 and verse 5 says, When they approached the tomb, they found the stone rolled away. To which the angel responded, Why do you seek the living among the dead? The Christ you seek is risen. You don't serve a dead God this morning. You don't serve a God that's not active in your life today. You don't serve a God that does not know what's going on in your situation. You serve a God this morning that's alive and well and attentive to every need that you have and He is working right now on your behalf to deliver exactly what you need in your life to get you the victory that He's promised us. So today I want to preach to you Christ suffering my victory. Christ suffering my victory. Father, we thank you for the anointing of God in this place. More than that, God, I thank you for the presence of God. Lord, that you are here, that you are walking among us in this room today, and that, Father, even in this moment, you are delivering exactly what we have need of in our lives. That, God, your spirit, that delivery system of heaven, is right here in this place doing the work of the kingdom of God. We thank you for what you're going to speak into the lives of people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The work that Jesus did on the cross secured some rights and privileges for you and for me. And when we accept Christ, we become the beneficiary of those rights and privileges that he won for us through his death on the cross. When you become his, you become an heir to heaven and all its riches. Romans eight sixteen says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. If you are an heir to an earthly inheritance, your inheritance is spelled out in a will that goes into effect upon the death of the person who made it. I want you to think about this for just a moment. The will. I love that it uses that term, that the term will goes in alignment with God's will for our lives. What is God's will for our lives? We talk about that a lot. What does God want from me? What does God expect from me? How is God's will accomplished for me? And this term, the will, that we all know well is about what is procured for us after the death of someone that we love. The will was set in place by the Father. It is His will that you no longer be a slave to sin and its damaging effects, but that you are delivered from bondage and made a beneficiary of the eternal kingdom of God. Christ's death was necessary to secure those benefits for you. Christ's death was to provide you with access to the inheritance of God. Because He died, you can have eternal life. Because he suffered, you can be healed. Because he was broken, you can be made whole this morning. When Jesus died on the cross, Hebrews 10, 20 says that a new and living way was opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And when we look at the work of the cross and what it has accomplished, what we find is the battered, bruised, and broken flesh of Christ was a door to break through for us. That every place where his flesh was broken through or pierced, symbolizes a breakthrough and victory for you and for me. His suffering is our victory this morning. Again, Isaiah 53 and 5 says, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. I want to talk to you about four areas that Christ's suffering secured victory for you. 
four areas that Christ's suffering secured victory for you. And let me just start by saying this. These are not up for debate. Like these are not up for question. This is a guarantee that you have as a partaker of the will of God. I talked to you about the will because this is God's will for you. It is unquestionable this morning that God desires for wholeness in your life. God desires healing in your life. God desires deliverance in your life. God desires provision in your life. God desires to give you exactly what His Word promises that He will give you. You have not put yourself in a position where God still does does not want to give you exactly what He has promised to give you. Let me say that again. You have never put yourself in a position where God has changed His mind about what He wants to get into your life. And so if you come here this morning feeling fearful, feeling guilty, feeling full of shame this morning, I still got good news for you today. God's plan's still in place. God's hope is still there for you. God's peace is still available for you this morning. And nothing has changed the reality that God still wants to deliver victory in your life. Four areas that Christ's suffering secured victory for you. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, By His stripes we are healed. The first place we see is the whip where victory in our body was secured. Matthew 27 and 26 tells us that at the command of Pontius Pilate, Jesus was tied to a whipping post and whipped. We know from history that what happened was a Roman legionnaire would would tie a person that was accused to a whipping post. And they would slump them over so their back was exposed and they would rip any garments from their back and leave their back laid bare. And then he would take what was called a cat of nine tails, which was a whip with many strands on it and it was laced with bones and glass and different things with the design to tear into the flesh and actually rip the flesh from the body. Pontius Pilate tells gives the order, and Jesus is tied to the whipping post. He's stripped of his garments. And a Roman legionnaire stands behind him and gives him the maximum punishment of 39 lashes. Punishment that was so brutal that many people did not survive past that point. A third century historian describes the flogging by saying that a sufferer's veins were laid bare and the very muscles, sinews, and the bowels of the victim were often open to exposure. Again, most people didn't make it past the whipping, but Jesus had something on His mind that motivated Him and moved Him past that point. Many of us would have stopped right there, laid down and just died and understandably so. But there was something that was driving Jesus beyond that point. He knew he had a place to get to. But there was more than just a destination in mind. It was a person in mind. And the person on his mind was you and me. He was thinking about us. And that was a driving force for him. Because Jesus endured the stripes. The price was paid for your physical healing. By His stripes we are healed. From the back of Christ flowed the blood for the healing of your body. From every disease. Somebody say every. Every disease, every affliction, and every condition. God didn't stop short and say, I'm going to take care of everything but cancer today. I'm going to to take care of everything but diabetes today. 
I'm going to take care of everything but this ailment or that ailment. God took the stripes so that we could be healed from every single disease. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He who Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Were healed, taken care of, dealt with, sealed, done, over with the day at Calvary's cross. It's already been taken care of. That's why we're not coming to try to find a place of victory. We're walking from victory this morning. Your healing is a finished work today. Sickness and disease was paid for on the cross. And as an heir with Christ, you have the right and privilege to walk through that open door and receive the inheritance of healing. Jesus bore the stripes to give you victory in your body. Verse 5 goes on to say, The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. The crown of thorns gave us victory in our minds. The crown of thorns that Jesus had pushed onto His head gave us victory in our minds. Matthew 27, 29 tells us that the Roman soldiers placed a crown of thorns upon Jesus' brow. The thorns were one and a half inches long, thrusting deep into his scalp. The crown of thorns represents the punishment that brought us peace. This morning in the message in tongues interpretation, Jesus said, I am peace. You want to find peace, find me. And you'll have a hold of peace in your life. That punishment that he took with the crown of thorns was for our peace, peace of mind. He wore that crown to bring you victory in your mind. And just like thorns are a natural byproduct of the branch, your mind is, bears the natural byproduct of worry, anxiety, pride, depression, lust, greed, on and on and on. Jesus took care of all of that at the cross. When Christ willingly wore the crown of thorns. He took God's judgment for every single rebellious thought and every evil thought that we would ever have. And because He bore that judgment, no evil thought can control you and you no longer have to be subject or victim to any ungodly, sinful thought pattern. You can change it if you want to change it. The way things are today does not have to be the way they stay. Jesus made a pathway for us to exit old patterns, old lifestyle, old things, and find freedom in here. My challenge to you this morning is take control of your thoughts by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. The work's already been done. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I want my thought life to represent His thought life. You know, Scripture tells us, let this mind be in you, the same mind that's in Jesus Christ. I want to think like Jesus. Amen? And we can this morning. That's what God has given us the opportunity to do. God has given us the power to capture every thought and make it line up with the Word of God. Every thought has been conquered by the blood that flowed from the brow of Christ Jesus. And His victory on the cross has given you a breakthrough in the mind, and you have victory over thoughts of worry, over fear, over depression, over addictions of every single kind. You, uh, let me say it again. You have victory over every thought 
in your mind. You have power over every thought in your mind. You may not be able to control them jumping into your mind, but you have the power to stop them from staying there. Hey, right? We can't control everything that pops in our brain. But we can certainly control what we dwell on and what we think about and what we allow to have place in our lives. And sometimes all we have to do is just simply take control of that, take authority over that and say, that's not what I'm going to think about. There's oftentimes, I'll tell you the truth, the oftentimes at night I cannot hardly go to sleep because I have a million thoughts in my mind. And sometimes they're just crazy stuff. I feel like I'm just being attacked. And this is what I do every single time. I immediately start praying and asking God, please, Tell me to get rid of these thoughts and embrace the good things of, of God. He says, set your mind on things above. Whatever's good, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's of good report, whatever's lovely, these are the kinds of things that we want to be thinking about. So we grab hold of those thoughts. We grab hold of the ones in our minds. We put those out and we put another one in there. I'll sit there oftentimes and I'll sing these old songs that we used to sing growing up in church. Yeah, songs of peace. Songs of the presence of the Holy Spirit and just sing those in my mind until they take over my mind. And it's not long before I just drift off into sleep. Now I'll tell you, there's times when I wake up just a few minutes later and I have to do it all over again. That's reality. But as we just keep doing that and keep doing that, we take authority, we put the enemy in his place and we find the freedom that God has given us through his word and through his work at Calvary. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. The whip gave us victory in the body. The crown of thorns gave us victory in the mind. The nails give us victory in our soul. I want to paint a picture for you this morning. After the whip, after Jesus is beaten, and the crown of thorns is placed on his head, Jesus had to then journey what's called the Via Della Rosa, a 650-foot walk up to Mount Golgotha. On his back, he was bearing the weight of a crossbeam that weighed approximately 110 pounds. He's suffering from blood loss, hypovolemic shock. He collapses under the weight of that, and Simon of Cyrene is forced to carry the crossbeam the rest of the way. When Jesus finally makes it to Golgotha's hill, he's thrown to the ground and nailed to that very crossbeam. Spikes five to seven inches long were driven into his wrists and into his ankles, and he was crucified. Something to understand about crucifixion is this, that crucifixion is death by asphyxiation. A victim is nailed in such a way that they can only breathe by pushing up against the nails to breathe out. After hours of exhaustion, then finally when they're unable to push themselves up, suffocation takes place. Each of us in this room today come to Jesus Christ with a long list of failures, a long list of faults, a long list of shortcomings, a long list of mistakes and transgressions, But the good news is that when Jesus Christ's hands were nailed to the cross, between those hands was the list of your sins and failures. When the nails, listen, when the nails pierced the hands of Jesus, they pierced the list that was between His hands. 
Colossians 2.13 says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He, Jesus, has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses and having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And this is the best part. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. I love it this morning. He nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. Every one of our sins was paid for when Jesus took the nails in His hands. They were like a certificate of debt that has now been marked paid in full. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, you don't have to feel guilty or condemned by past mistakes. Jesus was pierced so that you could go free. He has delivered your soul from guilt and shame. The law of sin and death is replaced with the law of spirit and life. And because of that, therefore, there is now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The nail was victory for your soul. Verse 5 goes on to say, He was bruised for our iniquities. The spear that was plunged into Jesus' side gave us victory in our heart. He was bruised. That is to be, he was beaten, broken into pieces, crushed, destroyed. Christ's heart was crushed and broken by the weight of iniquity that he carried for all humanity. John 19, 34 tells us that after Jesus had finally succumbed to death, a soldier pierced his side with a spear and there was a sudden flow of blood and water. As a result of blood loss and hypovolemic shock, Jesus' heart rate would have increased to the point of heart failure, causing fluids to collect around the heart and lungs. When the soldier pierced his side, he ran the spear through the very heart of Jesus and blood and water flow. This indicates to us that Jesus' heart was ruptured prior to the soldier piercing him and that blood had filled his heart. Christ died of a broken heart this morning. His heart was breaking for you and for me. His heart was breaking for the many men and women who would would be lost in their sins and awaiting the day for someone like you or me to step in between them and hell and say there is a different way, there is a different outcome for your life, there is hope for you this morning and His name is Jesus Christ. I think God's heart still breaks today for people, for His sons and daughters who are lost this morning, don't you? I've had people ask me a lot of times, Pastor, how many people's too many in a church? Here's my answer to you. When all of Jesus' sons and daughters are saved, then we can talk about too many. But until then, as long as there's people who do not know Jesus Christ, we have a job to do. We have a duty to fulfill. And we're going to keep on keeping on until that's done. Amen. 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 How many of your sons and daughters is okay for you to lose? Jesus feels the same way about His. Christ died of a broken heart. His heart was broken and crushed so yours could be healed. So mine could be healed. 
Inside the broken heart of Christ is freedom and healing and reconciliation. Jesus Christ created a way for us to have victory in our hearts. When he was going to the cross, I believe that it wasn't the pain and the punishment that he had endured that was on his mind. I believe that you and I were on his mind. I believe that he chose to put us first through it all. And his hope and his plan was that you and I would put him first also through it all. You were on his mind then. And you're on his mind now. Blake, would you come? Christ's death at Calvary changed everything. Changed everything. Changed the world forever. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever this morning. It doesn't matter how you come into this place today. It doesn't matter what you're carrying into this room today. Every failure that you would ever have was nailed to that cross. Every mistake that you would ever make was nailed to the cross. And the way to find freedom from the guilt and shame of those mistakes is to simply receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Stand with me across this room. Salvation gives us the opportunity to become heirs with Christ. And as an heir, Christ has secured breakthrough in our bodies, in our soul, in our mind, and in our heart. And so let me ask you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, do you need victory this morning? Do you need victory this morning? Just as 2,000 years ago Christ broke through the grave and was resurrected, today He wants to give you a breakthrough in your life. And so if you need victory in your body, there's victory for that this morning. If you need victory in your soul today, you need to give your life to Jesus There's victory for you this morning. If you need victory in your mind, my mind is plagued with all kinds of thoughts and struggles, and I need victory this morning in my mind. There is victory for your mind today. If you need victory in your heart, I've been hurt. My heart's been broken. My heart's full of pain and disappointment. There is victory for your heart this morning. This week has been a week where we have seen God do some incredible, miraculous things. It's been an amazing week. We've had several people in our church, related to our church, that needed God to do some big things in their bodies this week, and He has. Everything that God has, has delivered on everything that we've asked Him to this week. It's been a great week. And I just believe that God has some things that He wants to deliver on your life this morning too. The faith of those that have seen God move this week is going to be the faith that helps carry you into victory in your own life. And so this morning, if you need healing in your body, I'm going to invite you to come and we want to pray for you this morning and ask God to meet the need that you have. If you need healing in your mind, in your heart, 
in your soul, then I want to invite you to come and let God do a work in your life this morning. We believe in the power of laying on of hands. Scripture tells us that we lay hands on the sick and they recover. The prayer of the righteous avails much. And we believe the prayer of faith raises the sick. So if you need a healing in your body this morning, would you come? If you need a touch in your heart, you need a touch in your mind this morning. Maybe you're just exhausted and you're worn out. You mentally walked as far as you can walk. Let God give you peace in your mind today. Would you come? Would you come? I want to ask some of you to come and stand behind these and pray for these this morning. I'm going to come down and pray for every single one of you today. But before I do, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you this question. If you're here and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, I'm asking you to please not leave this place without giving your life to Jesus. I'm asking you to please stop for a moment and consider what the Spirit of God is maybe speaking to you right now in this place. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit begin to deal with the people in this room, begin to speak to each and every heart. Convict and draw them to a place, Lord God, of a relationship with you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know Jesus as your Lord, but you would love to give your life to Him right now, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Yes, amen. Are there others in this place that say, that's me, I need to give my life to Jesus. Don't leave. Don't leave this place lost. Don't leave this place in the same condition that you came. Leave different this morning. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Signify that to God this morning and say, that's me. Word of God again tells us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand or if you need to give your life to Jesus, that you simply call upon God this morning. Father, we thank you that your word is true. You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Father. So right now, we come before you humbly and we ask you, God, forgive us of our failures and our mistakes and where we have blown it in our lives, God. We know that you can make the, right, the wrong things right. Help us, Jesus. Your word tells us that you're standing at the door of our heart and you're knocking. And if we'll simply open the door of our heart, you'll come in. Change us, God, from the inside out. Let us start a new life today, God, in you. As we call upon your name, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, save me. Jesus, take away the pain of my past and the pain of my present and give me a new future this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burt Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.